0: Good morning, Grace. So glad to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Tim Hayward, and I'm the worship pastor here. I'm excited to get to share the message with you today. Um, but first of all, I want to share um, in a couple weeks, we have a worship night coming up here. It's going to be on Leap Day, February the 29th. We get an extra day this year. How many times have you asked for a few extra hours? You get a whole extra 24 hours this year. February 29th and we are going to celebrate it well by coming here and worshiping together. And we've got some things planned that we've never done before for a worship night. I'm really excited. Um, it's going to be awesome. Um, there's also there's childcare at the worship night from ages six months to nine years old, um, just to help with that. So today we are in the book of James. This is the fifth episode of this series, James: Practical Faith in a Real World. And James is actually my favorite book in the Bible. So I'm really excited to get to teach out of it today. Last week, Keith gave a sermon about works. Um, If you missed that, you can listen to it online, but Keith said this about works. He said, to have genuine faith, you have to put actions to your belief. It has to move from your head and your heart to your hands. Well, this week, we're not going to be talking about our hands, but we're going to be talking about our tongues. So we're like transitioning body parts here this week. Um, Last week, we talked about actions, and this week, we're going to talk about how our faith affects our speech. So you can follow along with me this morning by taking notes in your outline. Um, There are Bibles under the seats in front of you, black Bibles. You can grab one of those. Um, We're going to be in James chapter 3. I would love it if you'd turn there with me today. Um, It's page 1012 in those black Bibles. Um, But we're going to be talking about James chapter 3. While you are turning there or finding out on your phone or or however you're looking that up, let me kind of set up the message this morning. Words are powerful. They carry weight. Your words carry great weight. They're important. I can remember when I was in high school and um, youth group, I was in Sunday school class and, and one week in Sunday school class, our youth pastor, he gave each of us a five by seven note card and he had us write our name on it and then we passed it around the room and everybody in the room just wrote one thing that was encouraging um, to that person. And I was, I was actually this week, I was in my office and I was looking for that card because I knew that I still had it. I, cu- I couldn't find it but I know that I hung onto that card at least all the way through high school, all the way through college. It was in my Bible. Um, and just silly little things that people said. I mean, one-liners, but but words matter. They mean a lot. When somebody encourages us or pays us a compliment, we remember it. In, in fact, I can remember a decent amount of the things that were on that card still. It was over 15 years ago. I can remember that some people had said that, you're funny. I like the way you make me laugh. And some people had said that they like my laugh, which is really loud and obnoxious, Um, (laughs) and there it is, and (laughs) you, uh, and then somebody, there's one comment, it's such a weird comment, I don't know why I remember this, but somebody wrote on that card, you smell good, I have no idea why I remember that, other than just that words matter to us, and when somebody encourages us, we kind of, we hang on to that, Um, words can also get us in trouble. Um, How many times have you thought or said out loud, I should not have said that. (laughs) I should not have said that. I read this story, and I thought it was kind of interesting. Let me share it with you. It says, I was in my OBGYN clinical rotation. I had a nervous and overly worried first-time mother in my office. She was in for a routine pregnancy visit. I was performing the fetal heart monitor check with the Doppler. Perfect heart sounds. For a few seconds, and then the battery on the Doppler machine ran out, and I mutter, dang it, it died. Oh. <laughs> the mother let out a shriek, no, 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 I meant the battery on the machine died. Needless to say, I spent a lot of time sitting there with the ultrasound, showing her the beating heart and taking lots of pictures. <laughs> wow, I should not have said that. Our words matter. I made a post on Facebook this week, I was just asking people to share. Um, some, some words that people have said to them that they ha- haven't forgotten over the years, it could be positive or negative, and I got flooded with responses. I just want to share a few of them that people said this morning. One person said, my mom constantly told me growing up, everything that I do, do it as if doing it for the Lord. And lots of times when I didn't want to do my job, then I would hear her voice in my head and I knew I needed to get my act together. Another said, someone once told me, I'm sorry you feel you deserve an apology. Maybe some of you have heard that one. A pastor once told me that when I pray, everyone in the room stops worshiping God. Apparently, I say like and um too much, and it was distracting. But for about a year, I couldn't pray in front of people. That's terrible. Someone once said, what you were doesn't have to be what you will always be. Someone said, you can't change people, but you can change how you react to them. Someone else said, TLC told me back in the 90s, don't go chasing waterfalls, stick to the rivers and the lakes that I'm used to. <laughs> and someone else said that Journey told them, don't stop believing. And then the post just got out of hand. I have some, <laughs> apparently I know a lot of smart Alex on Facebook. But, but there were some really serious ones. A more serious comment said, someone in the middle of an awful fight once told me, you are nothing, you are worthless, and you always will be. They apologized later, but I remember those words more vividly than I can remember any compliment that they ever gave me. Your words carry weight. The things that you say to people matter. And before we even get to James chapter 3, James has already mentioned the tongue a couple times. In chapter 1, he said this. He says, each of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And he also said, if you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. Those are strong words. If you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. James writes in this passage to warn us about our tongues because he knows that many of us are going to find ourselves in scenarios where we're telling ourselves, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. He wants us to know that we're capable of great damage with our tongues. So let's listen to what God's word has to say this morning. Would you stand with me Um, And I'm just going to read James chapter 3. Listen to what God's word has to say about our tongues this morning. It says, Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man and also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the members, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You can have a seat. Harsh words, strong words. So we know that our words matter, and James wants us to see in this text this morning exactly why they matter. And so I want to share with you this morning three ways that our words affect people. The first way that our words affect people is that they provide direction. Our words provide direction. If you're like me, you can probably think of people who with their words have kind of shaped some of the path of your life or encouraged you towards what you're doing today. Um, when I was growing up, I started leading worship um, Playing guitar because my youth minister said, "Hey, can you lead worship for us?" And I knew like three chords at the time, and I was terrible, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. But he he saw something in me that I didn't even know was in myself, and he encouraged me along the way, and he kept empowering me to to do more, to to lead the team, to lead prayer, to to teach, to. Um, to lead worship, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of the reason I'm at where I am now, because his words gave me direction in my life. They encouraged me. They spoke life into me. Words give direction to our kids, and the words that we say to our kids are so important. Jamie and I have six kids, and um, a couple of them are adopted, and sometimes there's, there's words that um, people say to me in front of my kids or to my kids that... I would rather my kids never hear. I don't think people realize how hard it can be for a child to hear words that imply that they aren't my real kids or that they don't really belong or that they're less valuable than everybody else somehow because of who they are. And no child is lucky to be in my family. Each child is made in the image of God no child is more lucky than another one is to be in our family. We are so blessed to have them. People don't say those things to biological kids and they shouldn't say them about adopted kids. As an adoptive parent, something, I, I, I guess what I'm trying to communicate, I, I, don't, I don't love these children like they're my own. They are my own. There's, 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 there's no, a, a father's eyes don't see any difference. And I don't want them to ever doubt that. I don't want them to have words that somebody spoke to to me and that they overheard in the back of their mind to remind them that they're not as valuable or they're not as special or they shouldn't be here or they're not worthy. Words are important. Not only do our words direct others, but our words actually, we direct ourselves with our words. How many of you talk to yourselves? Most of us probably more than we want to admit. But for most all of us, we have this inner voice or an inner thought process that guides us through life. This is called self-talk. And you can find all kinds of helpful articles online on how to improve your self-talk, how to get wit- wit- better at it. But the way that we talk to ourselves is a big deal, right? It greatly affects our attitude. Most every thought we have is either positive or negative, And if we aren't careful, we can let negativity take control of our thoughts. And I, I think it's, it's an important, if you haven't done this before, just this week just try to kind of maybe almost write down some of the thoughts that come into your head because it's really interesting we say things to ourselves that we would never say to somebody else and this is one of the reasons i think that counseling and small groups and 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 these things are so effective because we start to share our inner thoughts out loud with other people and a lot of times as soon as it comes out of our mouth it's almost laughable like why would I say that to myself? You know, I'm, I'm worthless, I can't do this. Like, I, I wouldn't ever say that to somebody else. But negativity can quickly take hold. Let me give you a couple of examples of just some self-talk that might happen for somebody on their way to work waking up in the morning. This is one example. Oh, I wish I could sleep in longer. It is so cold today. I'm not a morning person. I hate this traffic. Who taught these people how to drive? I can't stand this car. I wish I had a new car, but I have this stupid car. And on and on, guiding the course of our day. Or that same person could wake up and say to themselves, today is going to be a great day. I expect something great to happen to me today. I can't wait to go to work today. You know, this may not be the job I want, but at least I have a job. I'm so grateful. It is really cold outside. I am so grateful I have this car to drive in and this heater. And... You know, at the end of the day, at least I've got a check coming in. Jim Rohn says this. He says, our lives are mostly affected by the way that we think things are, not the way they actually are. Our lives are mostly affected by the way that we think things are, not the way that they actually are. So that's the first way our words affect people is direction. They give direction. The second way that our words can affect people is destruction. Our words can destroy relationships. It's amazing how easy it is to make people upset at us, right? It's not hard. All you have to do is go online, get on social media, find somebody that said something that is not an opinion that you agree with, shoot back at them, and then all of a sudden you're in this fight that like, why, why are we, is this really even that important? Why are we fighting about this? It's so easy. You know, I've learned that... Um, both on social media and in life, that I don't have to share my opinion all the time. (laughs) That people, believe it or not, they will survive if I don't share my opinion. Um, And I've learned often that the kindest thing you can do to somebody is just to listen to them and not give a rebuttal, but try to actually kind of understand where they're coming from and find the places that you agree with them instead of just the places that you disagree with them. And I've also learned that if you aren't super quick to share your opinion, because I think most of my life I've been way too quick to share my opinion, that people are more interested in your opinion when you're not quite as quick to share it. This is not only true of social media, but it's true of just life. I think of um, when I first got married, I, th- I think I was very quick to give my opinion on everything again. And I've realized that I said a lot of things that were stupid (laughs) that I wish I hadn't said. Um, And I've learned that there's actually a lot of value in holding my tongue and trying to listen first before being the first one to talk. Proverbs 21 says it this way. It says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And James says we need to be super careful with our tongue because it is so Dangerous. Listen to some of the things he says in this passage. I almost can't believe it. He says, The tongue is a world of unrighteousness, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, a restless evil full of deadly poison, and man can tame every kind of animal, but he can't tame the tongue. James even says that the way that we talk to people directly affects our worship. The way that we talk to people affects our relationship with God. He says in verse 9 and 10, he says, we, this is the heart of the passage. If you have this passage open, maybe highlight it. Verses 9 and 10. He says, we bless our Lord with our tongue and then we curse people who are made in the image of God. This should not be so. You cannot worship God and then turn around and tear people apart with your words. You cannot do it. First John 4 says this, If anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. As a parent, I can resonate with this. As a parent, if my kids get into a fight, it's not just them that are upset. <laughs> I'm upset. It affects our whole family, and God God is a father. God, God's not, he's not like a father. God is a father. And when his children are fighting and bickering with each other, it frustrates him. Our relationship, our, I've heard it said, our horizontal relationship with people will always affect our vertical relationship with God. Always. It will always affect it. When you're in a fight with a son or daughter of God, When we can't get along, it hurts God and it affects our worship. It directly affects our relationship with him. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say this to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the fire of hell. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, if you're worshiping, and you there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Leave your gift. Leave it before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and come and offer your gift. You can't worship God. You can't worship a father without loving his children. If there's unforgiveness in your heart for somebody, I actually, I want to just pray for that right now. Would you pray with me? God, I just want to pray in this place um, for anybody that's struggling with this right now with a relationship with somebody and there's tension and there's hurt there and they know that it's not right and they haven't gone as far as they need to go to make it right. And God, I pray that you would give them the strength to do that. God, I pray that you that you would intervene in the situation, that you would soften both hearts on both sides. Um, God, I just pray for your healing and your work. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The third way that your words affect people is they define who you are. Your words define your character. You will be remembered for the words that came out of your mouth. There was a husband and wife that were arguing and the husband said something he shouldn't have and immediately he felt bad. And he said, I don't know why I said that. That wasn't me. And his wife wisely responded, it had to be in you or it wouldn't have come out of you. Jesus said it this way, for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And that's how James wraps up this passage. He says, a salt pond cannot yield fresh water. What's in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth. I believe that the cure for our mouths starts with the way that we see people. Oftentimes, if, if we could see people the way that God sees them, we would speak differently to them. Because when you see people how God sees people, you'll speak to people how God speaks to them. When you see people, how God sees people, you'll speak to them, how God speaks to them. Here's my challenge for you this week. I have a challenge for you this week. I want you to tell God one thing, every day this week, one thing that you're thankful for. Whether you've got a journal that you can write that in, that would be great, but tell God one thing every day this week that you're thankful for. And the second thing I want you to do is I want you to, every day, I want you to find one person and I want you to say one word of encouragement to them. I want you to say something encouraging to them. What if people knew you as the person who every time they saw you, you told them they're awesome and you gave them a high five? What if you were the person that always had a word of encouragement? What if you were the person who always saw the best in others and called it out in them? For our kids' birthdays, we started doing something maybe just about a year ago, and I love it. Every time one of our kids have a birthday birthday, we go around the table and everybody just says something about them that they love about them. And you should see the glow on our kids' faces. Like we just, sometimes we just don't get a lot of that. And we, and, and we, we need that. We need to be encouraged. We need to be validated. We need to, to be seen. Just over a week ago in this building, we celebrated Night to Shine. And I love what this event is about. It's about creating a spectacular prom experience for kids of special needs and telling them that they're valuable and that they're important and that they're loved and how God sees them. Tim Tebow, said, Tim Tebow said this about Night to Shine, and I think it's really powerful beyond just Night to Shine. I think it's true of life. I just want to share this with you, what he said. Listen to this. He says, Imagine a world where it wasn't about your background, but it was just about your God-given worth. Imagine if we look inward at who God made us to be and we saw the value which God sees in us. Imagine the world. Imagine the worth we would see in ourselves when we looked in the mirror. Not arrogance, but worth. Understanding that we're loved by the creator of the universe. Understanding that we're valuable to the creator of the universe. We're so valuable that he gave his son to be crucified on a cross for us. That's how valuable you are. Now imagine if we could look in the mirror and we could see just a fraction of what God sees in us. And imagine if we could look out into the world and we could see other people and we could see them the way that God sees them. So every single person we came across, whether it's someone on the bus or someone in the workplace or someone at school, we looked at them and we saw them as worthy, as special, as unique, as valuable as someone that God loves so much that he died for them, if that happened, everything would change. We would realize how to treat people. We would realize that all of God's children are unique, special, valuable, worthy. Because when you see people how God sees them, you'll speak to people how God speaks to them. Will you pray with me? God, we just come to you this morning God, and I ask for your Holy Spirit to be in this place because this is not an easy lesson to put into practice. God, many of us know that there's things that we've said that we wish we wouldn't have said, but changing our hearts, changing the way that we see people, changing actually what comes out of us and and what's inside of us is not easy. God, maybe there's someone in the room that they grew up in an abusive home, and the only way that they know how to speak is just yelling yelling. And, and hurtful and demeaning. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit in this place would do a work in their heart and begin to soften it and transform it to become more like yours. God, maybe we just are just always negative and, and we're just always seeing the worst in our own life and we're always seeing the worst in others and we're, we're, our words just tear people down. And God, I pray that you do a transforming work in our heart right now. God, I pray that we would be able to just see just a fraction of the way that you view people. God, as your sons and daughters that you made for a purpose and a reason. God, I just pray that you would do your work in this place as we worship you and strive to honor you with not just our hands, but also with every other part of our body and with our mouths. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You can stand, let's worship.